Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I discuss the use of trend following when running equity strategies. From the pluses of trend following to the minuses to the realities of implementing this in one's portfolio to some of the unique ways we've constructed our trend following system. While trend following may not be for most investors, it may be something some investors consider as we look out over the next five or 10 years. As always, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy this discussion. So Paul Tudor Jones was on CNBC, I think it was yesterday, and he was really bearish on both stocks and bonds, but he kind of said something that I think is interesting, particularly to the topic we're going to talk about today. He said, and this is a quote, if there was a strategy that I would want to employ right now, if someone put a gun to my head, I'd say simple trend following strategies. They are not too popular today. They will probably do very well in the next five to 10 years. And so um, that is the, the topic of today's uh, podcast, talking about trend following. I think the pluses, the minuses, the realities of trying to implement and follow a trend following system. Um, here at Validia, we run on the Validia website, um, trend following on over 50 different asset classes, investment strategies, style and size uh, boxes and ETFs. And what's um, interesting, it's not that this has never happened before, but right now, all the major, um, and maybe this wouldn't be a surprise to most people, but it doesn't happen all that often, is right now all the major equity indexes, so S&P, Russell 2000, NASDAQ, MSCI, developed and emerging markets, and then the Dow, we track it with the Dow Jones too, they're all, in sell mode right now. So a sell signal has kicked off on all of those. And that just kind of goes to show how negative the trend is um, in the market. Um, But to start, Jack, let's kind of discuss sort of, I think, trend following in general. If you, maybe just if you want to define that so people know when we're talking about trend following, what we're actually talking about. Yeah, you know, it's also important to distinguish sort of what we're talking about, which is trend, we're gonna talk about trend following on equities. Um, from something like you know CTAs or something like that, because there, there's a lot of people out, out there that use trend strategies, but what they're doing is using long, short trend strategies on a lot of different asset classes and trying to produce very consistent returns over time by doing that. So those types of people are actually doing very, very well this year. But what we're going to talk about is just using trend on equities. And so the idea is, is effectively, you know, the market will have long trends where it goes up. The market will have you know significant trends where it goes down. And so if I can somehow figure out you know, when to be in equities and when to be out of equities based on those trends, I might be able to A, reduce my risk and B, enhance my returns over time, maybe. And so that, that's the idea of trend following is, is using, finding some sort of system where I can be invested when there's uptrends and I can be not invested or hedged in some way when there's downtrends um, and I can maybe create a better risk adjusted uh, portfolio because of that. Right. So someone would want to use trend following because they would want to, I think for two reasons. One, you wanna have a much lower maximum drawdown. So if you think about, um, just let's use the S&P 500 for as far back as we go. So we run our trend following on the S&P back for a very long period of time. But if you look at the max loss 
over the last, um, what did we run it back to, 1971, I think? 1970. 1970. So, right. So I, I think the max loss on the S&P is something around 57%. That would be the high to the low. Um, and that may have been during the great financial crisis. So a six, basically a 60% drawdown for all intents and purposes that an investor would have had to deal with if they were just buying the S&P 500. Whereas when we overlay our trend following system on top of that, you know, the max drawdown becomes a lot less. It becomes 34%. That's still pretty substantial, but that's just, and, and across 90% of the asset classes and investment classes that we run our trend following on, the max drawdown is lower with trend falling than without trend falling. Now we'll talk about what you have to give up to try to get that in a couple minutes. But I mean, that is one of the major, I guess, advantages of trend following is, you know, it limits the maximum drawdown, which is when a lot of investors actually can make the most mistakes is in those periods of time. Yeah, you know, that, that's one of the major ones. And then the other one is, is a reduction in volatility. And if you think about it, like if you look at where we are right now in the market, a lot of trend strategies are out of the market. And so if I'm out of the market right now and I'm in cash, I'm not experiencing these crazy swings back and forth every day. And so my, my overall portfolio is going to have less volatility. So those are the two positives. The two positives are usually you're, you're going to limit to some degree, at least major declines in the market. And a lot of this, and we'll talk about this later, but a lot of it depends on the type of decline in terms of how well it's going to work. But in general, you're going to reduce the major declines in the market and you're going to lower the volatility of your portfolio. And I would just say one other thing too, if you are following a trend following system, it is systematic. So the decisions to move in and out of the market are not based on what, you know, some economic forecast or that the yield curve is inverted or your feelings in your gut. It's whether you're in or out, if you're truly following a trend following system is 100% systematic and disciplined. So that's very important. Um, and by the way, that doesn't mean they always work. And that's that's the next thing we want to talk about here. But, you know, that having that um, repeatability and consistency in an investment strategy and in your decision-making process is an important one. And to, to your point, you know, they have this saying price is truth in investing. And that's a big advantage of trend following is we don't have to figure out, you know, a lot of guys who will use macro or something like that. You know, we have to figure out the reason the market might decline and it might decline and it might not decline. And we might be right and we might be wrong. You know, trend following is using price. It's, it's using that truth to say, all right, the market is in a downtrend. You know, whatever reason, we don't really care what the reason is. It's in a downtrend. We're going to try to limit losses during this downtrend. You know, and we're just going to use the price sort of as the guide to determine whether we should be in or out. And so we we don't get trapped in these ideas of, you know, people who are bearish for 10 years and are constantly predicting the next decline based on some macro factor. You know, the decline has to, act, has to actually happen before we're going to do anything. Trend following is one of those things that like it, it sounds really good on paper. It usually looks really good with the data. And, you know, from and there's periods, there's regimes when it works really well, too. So if you go back to like 99 through 2009, you know, trend following was a really good strategy. It would have kept you out of maybe the worst of the bear market in 2000 to 2002. You may have sidestepped, you know, some, most of the losses in late 08, early 09. And then, you know, eventually you would have been back in when the market starts to revert and go higher. But, you know, it's not always that easy and it doesn't always work that way. And I think the last 12 years for trend following has really been um, pretty difficult. And this gets into the point of, you know, what makes trend following hard to stick with. So the first thing, Jack, I'll let you kind of speak to, you know, I guess some of, just some of these, so some of the downsides of trend. Yeah, this gets back to what we've, this idea from Jim O'Shaughnessy we've talked about in the podcast a lot, which is this idea that investors have two points of failure. One point of failure is when the market declines a lot, like it is now, I'm going to sell and I'm going to panic and I'm going to miss it when it bounces back. 
The other one is when I look different than my neighbors, I'm going to panic and I'm going to abandon a strategy. And so trend following is very good on the first one because I'm limiting those declines. It's very bad on the second one in that I am going to look very different than the market at times. So for instance, as an example, there are going to be times where I'm going to be sitting in cash and my neighbors are going to be making a lot of money because the market's going up or even worse. There are going to be times where trend following sort of keeps reversing back and forth and it continues to get both signals wrong. It gets the buy wrong and it gets the sell wrong. And I'm going to have to sit there and endure that. And so this is one of the reasons that I think for a lot of investors, like, putting their entire portfolio in trend following, although it seems so great on paper, is, a, is really a bad idea. It's, it's because during these periods where trend struggles, and like you said, it can be many, many years. I mean, you know, looking at our system on Validia, you know, the three-year return of trend following is 3% behind the market. The five-year is 2% behind the market. So there's been a very long period here where trend following has reduced your returns. And for an investor to sit, sit there and endure that and not abandon the strategy and just go back to long only is very, very difficult. And that's why I think a lot of pe for a lot of people, at least a full exposure to trend following is probably not the greatest idea. Yeah, for people listening to this that um, can think back to over the last 10 years in the market, I mean, basically since... 2009, we really haven't, there's been 15 to 20% declines in the S&P 500. And even more than that, if you think of like early 2020, but they've all been, you know, basically like very shallow, very, very shallow bear markets and very quick um, recovery. So 2015, the end of 2018 into 2019, early 2020, these were periods where a trend following, you know, many trend following systems would have had you selling after the 15 or 20% decline in the market and the market basically turned on a dime and then moved higher. So in all those instances, you know, trend falling would have basically detracted from returns, which would make it, as Jack's pointing out, very hard uh, to stick with. And, you know, we should, we should point out there are different, you know, when we speak about it, and this is probably is a good way, good time to introduce sort of the different ideas of how you actually do trend following, because there, there's different, there's sort of shorter term approaches, there's intermediate term approaches, there's longer term approaches. And so there's really two different ways to do trend following. One is sort of what, like a moving average type system. And so the idea is, you know, the 50 day moving average of the S&P is the average price over the last 50 days. The 200 day is the average price over the last 200 days. Just to give a simple example, a 200 day strategy is a common sort of longer term trend following strategy. So if, if I'm using that strategy, when the, the price of the S&P goes below that average over the past 200 days, I will reduce my exposure. I'll hedge, I'll go to cash, I'll do whatever I'm going to do. When it breaks back above, I'll be long only. And so you're, using that type of strategy, most of the time you're invested in the market, but where you get these more extended downtrends, you'll be out of the market. So that, that moving average system is one way. The other way is, is this idea of time series trend following. And this is an idea, um, Gary Antonacci is sort of a, his work is sort of a supporter of this. Um, the idea is I just take the one year return of whatever asset I'm looking at and I subtract like a risk-free rate, maybe T-bills or something like that. So if the return of equities over the past 12 months minus the return of T-bills is negative, then that is sort of my sell signal. If it's positive, that's my buy signal. So in both of these cases right now, these are all in sell signals. So the return of the S&P 500 in the past year minus T-bills is negative. Um, you know, and, and the return of, you know, move, we're below most of the major moving averages. So in general, most trend systems right now are, are in sell mode because they've broken down. But those, those are sort of the two different ways to look at it. And getting back to my other idea, you know, you can do this with different moving averages. So, 
you know, if you're using a 50 day moving average strategy, which I would not advocate because it bounces back and forth too much, you know, you're using sort of more of a shorter term trend signal. If you're using on, on the other end of the extreme, you have these moving average crossover strategies. So they, they call one the death cross when the 50 day moving average falls be below the 200 day moving average. That would be an example of a very long term trend signal. And there's a lot in between. Um, and you can obviously use composites of, of all of them together. So the idea is there's there's different types of trend signals and they work in, in different ways and they work in different types of markets. Yeah, that's one thing about the 200 day that I've always sort of struggled with is when you drop below the 200 day and you're coming out of a, let's say really d big down market or bear market, you know, it could take you um, a long time to get back in. So you could be leaving a lot of those returns on the table early on in a bull market. So I think, you know, to your point about using maybe a combination of various strategies or maybe different strategies on the way in or way out. Um, I mean, we, we since we've been running trend following a long time, I think we've had a lot of experience in sort of some of the challenges with trend following at different points of the market cycle. So do you want to talk about sort of a benefit of maybe an ensemble based approach, a, a way of bringing, you know, multiple signals together to try to avoid these like binary, like big buyer sells in terms of how we do it? A good general rule in the market is if you can do things in a bunch of different ways and all of them work, you probably should just use all of them as, try, as opposed to trying to pick one or the other. It's the same thing like when you look at a value composite, you've got your price to book guys and your PE guys and your price to cash flow guys. You know, in a lot of ways, you're just better off using all of them because you don't know which one's going to work best. And this, this idea of an ensemble, and you know, our, our friends Corey Hofstein and, and the guys at Resolve have an index that does this, but you know, you, what you could do it at a very granular level is you could take all the moving averages that work or all the different approaches that work for trend following, and you could apply all of them. And, and the way you can do that is you can say, all right, I can take a percentage of my portfolio and I can put it in cash based on sort of the percentage of signals that are negative right now. So if I'm using moving average, you know, I have a bunch of moving average signals and I have a hundred of them I'm using and, you know, 70 of those signals are negative. Well, then I'll be in 70% cash. But what I'm avoiding by doing that is, you know, we referenced the 200 day before, you know, if the 200 day ends up being the wrong signal for a particular decline, not only are you going to have a worse return, but you're going to be more than likely to abandon the strategy because it's not working. And so by using an ensemble, you're smoothing things out and you're making it more likely you can adhere to the strategy over time. Now you'll trail if, if we have a certain situation where the 200 day is just the absolute best strategy, you're going to trail the people that use the 200 day. But that, that's a worthwhile trade off because the odds of you getting the exact right strategy are fairly low. So in most cases, an ensemble is better just because it gives you sort of an average of all the outcomes. One of the things that I think is, uh, you know, unique to us, I don't know too many other people that are doing it, but, but I like this is, is we kind of have over the years, we've sort of structured our trend following system that we use in the private asset management, um, portfolio management piece of the business. We actually have developed it in a way that's more how I think a human would actually try to flex in and out of the market and take advantage of valuations when they're lower. And it's not intuitive uh, necessarily, to, um, and we'll, we'll talk about how we do, do this in a minute. I mean, we talked about this disciplined, consistent approach that's embedded in trend following, and that's still true in terms of everything we're gonna talk about here. But um, we do things, and Jack, I'll let you kind of flush it out um, since you're like really the key architect of it, but you know, I'll just sort of outline at a high level, you know, easing in and out of signals, trying to buy the dip and then taking an asymmetric approach to our buy and sell decisions. So I'll let you sort of articulate what we're actually doing with this trend following system. 
Yeah, so what we're trying to do is getting back to that idea of Jim O'Shaughnessy's second point of failure I talked about is this idea that these strategies are going to look very different in the market at times. And what we're trying to do is optimize the realized return investors see. So with every strategy, there's a difference between the actual return of the strategy and the investor return that investors actually realize. And so the, the, the gap between those is, is completely related to behavior. And so the more you can make people adhere to the strategy while also doing things that work for the long term, the better you're going to make it. And so some, a lot of trend followers don't do these types of things but this this is something that we found you know it might not make the, the actual reported return of the trend following strategy any better but we think it, it allows people to stick with it better so going through the ones you you talked about the easing in and out of signals we kind of already talked about in terms of the, the ensemble approach you know the idea is we're not going all in we're not going all out we're not going to say like on you know any given friday when we're applying our signal you know we've gone from buy to sell like liquidate the entire portfolio you know we're not going to do that it's, it's much easier you know, we, we may not get, if we, the signal gets it exactly right, you know, we may not limit the decline as much as we would have, but over time we're going to have a smoother return and it's going to be easier for people to stick with that way. Um, the buy the dip idea is basically this, you know, over time, all dips in the market are eventually buyable. We have a, a overall portfolio and we're applying within the model, we're applying the trend following strategy to a certain percentage of that. And so when the market's not down that much, we're applying trend following to 100%. But as the market moves from down 10%, which is where we start, to down 40%, we're taking a percentage of that portfolio and we're saying no longer apply trend following to that portfolio. So for instance, when we start at you know 10%, we're taking 20% of the portfolio and we're saying no longer apply trend following to 20% of the portfolio. So effectively 80% is, is using the trend and 20% isn't. And so what that effectively becomes is that becomes a buy the dip type strategy. So as the market goes down, we continue to buy a little bit more and not a lot, not a huge change, but a little bit here and there to the point that when the market gets down 40% and now we're talking about a decline that's only happened, you know, not that many times in history, by the time it gets down to 40%, we're only applying trend following to 20% of the portfolio and 80% is back invested in the market. And so that type of system is going to lose more when you get the 50% decline in the market because we'll have been slowly buying the whole time, but it's going to do better in periods, you know, where you get these more common declines, you know, you get these 20, 30% type declines, you know, we think that enhances returns over the long term, even if over the short term, it might hurt you because you're, you're buying the dip and the market keeps going down. You know, one of the downsides of trend that we haven't talked about yet is that, you know, trend has is always by definition going to be late getting back into the market. So no matter what, you know, no matter what signals you're using, the, the fact is you're, you're getting back in because the market is going back up. And if you're getting in because the market is going to going back up, it's going to take you some time to get back in. So we think by like slowly buying the dip inside of the strategy, we're offsetting that. We're giving up a little bit maybe on the loss prevention side, but we're offsetting that because at the bottom, we're going to be have more exposure to the market than we otherwise would have. And in terms of getting back in, the actual sell decision is different than the buy decision. So we have uh, what we would consider an asymmetric trend following approach. So it takes more for us to sell because we want to have a bias to being in stocks because over time that is what's going to perform best. Um, but if we do get the sell trigger um, and we do go out of the market, then it doesn't, it's not the same buy criteria back in. So we don't need, for example, the market to close above the 200 day because that could take a long time. Because if you think about what happens at the, you know, when you come out of these bear markets, and really probably you know, corrections or, or shallow bear markets as well, you tend to get some of the best performance during those early periods where things are very vastly undervalued and oversold. So having this sort of bias to being 
sort of in the market or getting back in quickly is important for returns. Right. So as you mentioned, you know, we're using longer term signals to get out and then we're using a little bit something a little bit on the shorter, not a short term signal, but something a little bit on the shorter side to get back in. And, and like anything else, that is a trade off. And like you said, the positive part of that is, you know, at these bottoms, you can have some of the most violent moves up. And so we're going to get in a little bit quicker. We're not going to get in at the bottom, obviously, because we're still waiting for it to break this shorter average. But we're, we're going to get in a little bit earlier. The downside is we're going to get faked out a little bit. And so you can have around these shorter averages, you know, at bottoms, you can have these bounces back and, you know, above and below the average. Whereas if you're using something like the 200 day, you know, you might have a really solid uptrend established before you get back in. So you're going to be later, but it's going to be a more solid signal probably. And so for us, we, we think the trade-off of getting in quicker is worth the fact that sometimes we're going to have some of these bounces. But like anything, like trend following in general, like anything in the market, there's pros and cons to everything. And like you said, when you initially introduced this, our idea is the market goes up more than it goes down. So we want to be long biased here and we want to do everything we can to limit the ability of investors to, to allow investors to stick with the strategy. And so we want to be, we want to focus on behavioral elements and we don't want to be too different than the market. And so this is not by any means the perfect implementation of trend following, but in, in our work with investors over time and thinking about how people actually use these in the real world, this is the best implementation we can find. Yeah. So we'll see if Paul Tudor Jones is right that the next 10 years will be uh, better for trend following than the last 10 years. I think that, you know, if, you're the type of investor that you know might panic when things are 40 to 50% down, which that doesn't happen very often, but it has happened and will happen again in the future, then you know maybe trend following could be good. But as Jack has pointed out, you know there's a trade-off with all of this. Um, and it's not it's not the best strategy for the majority of people and everyone, but this is just one way that we, sort of look at utilizing trend. Another thing, another thing you can think about here is you don't have to go all in or all out on anything. And so if, if someone's going to use trend in their portfolio, you know, what we'll often do is we don't have any clients. I don't think where we have them hundred percent trend following, you know, we'll, we'll have a buy and hold portion of their portfolio and we'll have a trend following portion of the portfolio, getting back to the behavioral idea. So, you know, it's not something, none of these concepts we discuss or anything where you have to go hundred percent into it to make it work. You know, in this case, you can really blend it and that makes it much easier. You get some of the benefits of it, but it also makes it easier to stick with over the long term. We'll put a link to our trend following uh, page on Validia in the show notes, and hopefully you guys found this valuable. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at JJ Carboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.